This is the Irrelevant Information Podcast, a podcast about unimportant subjects. I'm Rodrigo Nunez, and today we're going to talk about the MD-80. On September 4th, 2019, at 9 a.m., American Airlines Flight 80 took off from DFW Airport, making its way to Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. That was the last commercial flight for American Airlines MD-80, an iconic airplane. Chances are, if you think of American Airlines even now, you picture the MD-80. It's that long silver airplane with a T-wing tail and two engines in the back that from 1982 to 2019 flew over most of the United States. American Airlines flew as many as 362 MD-80s at one point. Now, the roar of the MD-80 surprisingly loud engines won't be heard as much in the air anymore as all of American Airlines' MD-80s are retired. And with their retirement, this signals the end of an era in air travel, an era of analog control. It's an era that's ending not just in airplanes, but in almost everything else. The McDonnell Douglas MD-80 is a twin-engine, short-to-medium-range, single-aisle commercial airliner. It's the descendant of the McDonnell Douglas DC-9, and it's from its parent that it got the T-tail in the rear and the two rear fuselage-mounted turbofan engines. So, most modern jetliners have engines hanging off their wings, and actually Honda is trying to make planes with engines that rest on top of their wings, but they're not commercial airliners. Anyway, the MD-80 and its mother, the DC-9, have instead clean wings. There's no engines hanging off of them. Instead, they have two engines on the back attached to the side of the body near the tail. And also, a little bit more about the wings. They're a bit small compared to the rest of the airplane, but are highly efficient. And the plane itself was designed for frequent short-haul flights. The MD-80 can seat from 130 to 172 passengers in a unique configuration featuring two seats on one side and three seats on the other for a five abreast configuration in the coach cabin. First class usually had two and two on each side. It was produced in very high numbers. A total of 1,191 MD-80s were produced in total, starting in 1979, with the last one being produced in 1999. The first U.S. carrier to order the MD-80 was American Airlines. They leased 20 MD-80s in October 1982 from McDonnell Douglas. And the scheme that they used to do this is really interesting, and I'll go into it a little bit later. But two years later, they ordered 67 airplanes with an option for 100 more. By 2002, American Airlines was flying 362 McDonnell Douglas MD-80s, or 30% of all of the ones that were produced, period. In fact, 44% of American Airlines' fleet was MD-80s. Now, most MD-80s were called Super-80s, since that was what they were originally called back when they were an extension of the DC-9s. And the name stuck, particularly in American Airlines, where they referred to them as Super-80s in almost all of their literature, almost all of their training, almost all of their communications and documentations. The MD-80 was essentially the savior for American Airlines. In the early 80s, American 
was in a financial bind because its fleet at the time was too expensive to operate. It was mostly old Boeing 727s. They were also trying to incorporate a hub-to-spoke model of flying with DFW Airport and Chicago O'Hare serving as the main hubs for this system. There's two big competing systems that airline fly with, hub-and-spoke and point-to-point. The hub-and-spoke model is one that employs major hubs as gathering points to then fly out to other smaller cities. For example, in American Airlines, if you're flying from Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, spoke, to Las Vegas, you don't fly directly. You first fly to DFW, the hub, then to Las Vegas, the spoke. In other airlines, like Southwest Airlines, there's more of a point-to-point, where there's more direct routes, or instead of there being a hub, you kind of go from east to west or north to south and stop at places along the way. In order for this model, the hub and spoke model to succeed, an airplane that can excel at medium haul routes is required. And the MD-80 was just that. Now, remember how earlier I spoke about how the way that American acquired its first airplanes was pretty unique? This is what it was. McDonnell Douglas put out an offer in 1982 to American Airlines that the airline would rent the aircraft. For five years, American would operate the 20 MD-80s and, if not satisfied with the aircraft, could return the airplanes to McDonnell Douglas without any fee. If the new aircraft were disastrous for the operations, then they could also return them at any point within those five years for a small cancellation charge. McDonnell Douglas set up a safety net for itself also in this deal. If American Airlines results would improve because of the MD-80, their financial results, the manufacturer would get a sliver of the profit. And with this deal, that's how American Airlines took on the MD-80, those first 20 ones, and the rest is history. So both of the companies were in dire need of something new, so they worked out this deal, and that's what enabled them to even exist to begin with. The MD-80 dominated the hub-and-spoke model. It was more fuel-efficient than other airplanes at the time when it initially launched, and the lack of complicated electronics, as well as engines that were easy to maintain, made it relatively easy to operate, and it could operate in any airport. Its quirks quickly became a source of stories for everyone from pilots to flight attendants to passengers. For starters, the MD-80 was nicknamed Mad Dog by its pilots. And that's because it was pretty complicated to fly and it was super loud to fly as well, at least by modern standards. Landing it was rough and it actually struggled at high altitudes as well. It had very few computers on board and the two-man crew controlled every aspect of the airplane. It's actually worth noting that during its testing, one pilot's union recommended a three-person crew for this airplane because of how many things the pilots had to take care of. Not only that, but pilots talk about what a strange and not ergonomic layout the cockpit had. Switches and dials all over the place with seemingly no logical placement. For example, the funniest thing about the cockpit of the MD-80 is that the magnetic compass is not in front of the pilot where it's easily seen. Instead, they place the compass for some reason behind the co-pilot seat. And the way the pilots are able to see what the compass is reading is by using small mirrors that are positioned on top of the instrument panel in front of them. And one pilot actually said that it seemed as if they built the entire airplane but left the compass at the very end and ran out of room to put it anywhere that made any logical sense. They were kind of like, oh crap, we forgot the compass. Uh, Just put it here, have a mirror point at it, and that's good. It works. (laughs) 
<laughs> the MD-80 required pilot participation for the entire duration of the flight. And this is something that many pilots actually loved. And I can assume that this plane didn't make them feel like glorified bus drivers, but it actually made them feel like they were flying an airplane. For flight attendants, it wasn't easy either. The air conditioning condensation would flow to the back and drip down in the tail cone area to the point where flight attendants started traveling with umbrellas to combat this. In addition to that, since the engines were in the back of the airplane right where the flight attendants are at, the plane was incredibly loud for them. But the front of the airplane was super quiet and super nice. And I actually got to fly on an MD-80 a, a couple of times and... The first time I flew on this thing, I remember I sat near the back and I wore headphones, turned the volume way up, and I could still hear the sound of the engine. So it was pretty loud near the back. And it's those loud engines that ultimately were one of the largest factors in why this plane had to be retired. Even though the twin engines, the JT-8D engines, were simple and easy to maintain, they were not fuel efficient compared to newer 737 models like the 737 700 or the bigger 737-800 or even Airbus A320 models. So the MD-80 burns about 1,050 US gallons of jet fuel per hour on a normal flight, while the 737-800, which is larger than the MD-80, burns about 850 US gallons per hour. So that's 19% less. When it comes to jet fuel, which is the most expensive things that airlines use or spend money on, that is a huge difference. 19% is very significant. In addition to that, the MD-80 stopped being upgraded and doesn't have many features like Wi-Fi or power outlets and seats. And of course, not to mention everything above, that it's hard to fly, that it doesn't have a lot of automated systems, that it doesn't even have a magnet that's readable. It's just like it's an old school airplane. And that's what happens to all things, no? What was once the greatest and most modern and most efficient thing isn't that anymore. The MD-80 is being replaced by airplanes that are more efficient, way easier to fly, quieter in the cabin, not made of shiny aluminum, but of composite materials with more seats, but also more USB ports to charge all your crap. Still, much like modern cars or modern phones, the more advanced we get, the more lifeless our things are. It takes a special machine to have a nickname like Mad Dog. It clearly evokes emotion out of the people that work with it every day and even those that ride it. The MD-80 had a character. It was hard to fly, so you had to learn its intricacies. It reminds me of old cars versus new cars. New cars are so nice and they quiet and they break for you and they tell you when you're departing from your lane and they connect to your phone and start playing your podcast where you left off and they start themselves at precise two minutes before you walk out of your front door. But driving them, you feel no connection to the road and you can barely hear the engine so it feels like you're not in a car at all. In fact, the steering wheel is not even connected to the wheels in a lot of them. Whereas... When you sit in a car that was made in the 80s, you feel and hear everything. You hear the pops of the engine, you hear the air being inhaled by the engines, you hear the brakes, the springs. It's actually really exhilarating to drive an old car with the windows down. And I don't want to sound like I'm saying the MD-80 shouldn't be replaced by something that's objectively better. I'm just saying I wish our future technology still has character and quirks and uniqueness. 
I'm honestly disheartened by every phone looking the same. The only thing that's different is the logo on the back. And every car also looking the same. What's the difference between any mid-sized car, whether it be a Hyundai, a Toyota, a Nissan, they all look the same. When the long silver American Airlines Mad Dog went out of the sky earlier this year, the airplanes that fly across our air now look more the same, and that's actually a little sad. The analog world is slowly going away. The Mad Dog is gone, and our skies are a little more digital. And that's happening everywhere. And that's good overall, but it's actually a little sad. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to go read a physical paper book instead of an ebook. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode i hope you enjoyed it please look at the show notes there's some really cool pictures there of the md80 i'm sure you've seen it before and you can recognize it uh share this podcast with your friends follow us on instagram at irrelevant podcast see you next time and as always or4 did nothing wrong Thanks for listening.